All right. We have a great episode of Side Retired, the MLB podcast coming at you guys today. It'll be Dylan and Matt, as always. And today we'll be joined by Todd Rosiak. So let's hit the intro music and let's get right into this. Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It's Dylan Campione, joined alongside Matt Potter, as always. And Matt, before we introduce our guest, day before Thanksgiving, how you doing? Pretty good. Long travel day yesterday, back from South Bend, but happy to be back in uh, in civilization on the East Coast and, and really excited for the interview today. Absolutely. We were joined today by probably the biggest Brewers expert on the planet. He's been covering the team for a long time. We've got Todd Rosiak. Welcome to the show and thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. And, uh, South Bend, huh? I used to cover Marquette, Big East, in the old Big East days when Notre Dame was in the Big East. So I spent uh, many a night down there in the uh, in the in the pavilion watching oh, yeah. some college Yeah, South Pavilion. No, yeah. well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> Absolutely, and obviously the Big East has changed a little bit. But one thing that hasn't changed is you've been covering this Brewers team for a lot of years now. At this point, what is that process like? Slash has the industry changed since when you first got into it to where it is now? Oh man, it's it's crazy. I mean, I could go on for an hour on that topic. <laughs> I've, I've been at the Journal Sentinel in Milwaukee since uh, 1992, so we're talking about before there was even internet, you know. And to go from uh, you know covering sports where you essentially just went, covered an event, wrote a story for the newspaper, and that was all you had to do that night to what we do now, which is, you know, going to the ballpark, tweeting a thousand times, shooting some video, editing some video, writing three stories, two of them for online, one for the print product, maybe doing a podcast after it's, it's just, it's, it's changed so much and it's been incumbent on all of us. Uh, I, I wouldn't call myself a dinosaur, but I'm getting up there in age enough to where maybe I am. Um, that it's incumbent on all of us to be able to kind of step without issue between all these different mediums and be comfortable utilizing them to get the word out and to continue doing our job. So, um, you know, it's something for guys your age, you know, you grew up with all this stuff, so it's kind of second nature, but, um, you know, there's others who are, who are learning on the fly and trying to get comfortable with all the different mediums as well. So, um, you know, I guess in the in the the total summation of it is we're we're doing, you know, three four times the amount of work that we used to do for the same amount of money. So we call that inflation, whatever you want to call it. But uh, we could use a little bit more pay. How about that? <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, as as that work rate increases, my assumption is that you know the the industry's gotten a little bit more. I don't know if invasive is the right word, but you probably get to to cover probably deeper into players' lives with video and with other things, um, you know, just because you need more content too, essentially. Uh, we had a, a Mets beat reporter, Tim Healy, on last week, I guess it was, Dylan, and he was regaling us with, with stories about, you know, how he's just had different relationships with different managers and things. And I think Pat Murphy will be manager number 10 for you since you've been you've been covering the Brewers. So, like, what is a process like getting to know a manager kind of building up a relationship? And now, you know, you're looking at a new season with a new manager. How, how do things change, you know, as, as leadership changes? 
So it's 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 interesting. This will be I just finished my 13th year covering the Brewers, and this will only actually be the third manager that I've covered, which is which is pretty interesting. Uh, when I jumped on in 2011, Ron Renicky was in his first year, and um, you know it was interesting because he was he was an old school player. He was a guy that I had um, you know remembered being a player in the 80s when I was growing up. Um, you know, really soft spoken, um, really easy to deal with. Um, you know, all the things that you would want in a major league manager, really, if you're covering a team. He gets fired at the start of 2015, and then Craig Council is installed as the manager. And my first year covering the team at 11 was Craig's last year as a player. So I got to know him as a player. And then in 2012, 13, 14, and early 15, he was working in the front office for the Brewers as well. So over those years, our relationship was, you know, we were able to build up more of a relationship. So when he took over as manager – you know, we had that that familiarity, so it made it really easy to cover him in that regard. Now, it didn't make it easy in terms of the way, um, you know, he dealt with media and not to say that that's, um, you know, he did anything wrong. But, you know, he was a manager that um, would challenge you as a reporter. He will challenge you. He expects it's it's like a good professor, right? When you go into class, they expect you to be prepared. Uh, you know, he expects you to be prepared, ask good questions, be engaging, um, you know, be involved. He doesn't, you know, doesn't like it when you're looking down at your phone or if he tells you something that's newsy, you know, you're a reporter. So all of a sudden, you know, oh, I got to tweet that out. So you're tweeting while he's talking. That kind of stuff didn't really fly. Um, Pat Murphy is going to be very different and interesting. He was Craig Council's mentor at, at Notre Dame. Um, he's almost 65 years old. He comes at it from a completely different place than Craig Council ever did. Uh, his personality is way different. The way he deals with players is way different. We got we got kind of a taste of it last week in his introductory press conference where um, not so much adversarial, but he throws stuff back at you. Well, what do you think I should, you know, what, what do you want me to do? What do you think I should do? You know, those kinds of things. So it's it's going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be different. It's going to be interesting. But that's part of it is you got to kind of ride the wave and and there's always changes in, in professional sports year to year, every three, four years, te teams almost completely turn over. So you got to kind of run with it, roll with it, make it fun and, and do the best you can to deal with the changes. And then since we're on the subject of Craig Council, I assume that was a very tumultuous 24 hours where it seemed like it was down to the Mets and the Brewers and then all of a sudden the Mets hired Carlos Mendoza and I forget who it was, but someone reported he's not going back to the Brewers either. And then mm -hmm. where is he going? So what was that sort of like, especially from your perspective, given you probably have a lot of Brewers information, did you know that was coming? Were the Cubs on the table or all of a sudden everyone just like you and I were sort of in the dark as to what was going on? Yeah, that was, uh, I've been telling people, honestly, that was the most, easily the most stressful day I've ever had as a professional, just because of how many times the, the story changed in a sport in a small amount of time and how many twists and turns there were, um, you know, so we were pretty confident in our reporting that, that, um, you know, there's a good chance that Craig council was going to leave. I was not convinced at all that it was going to be the Mets. I just never saw that as a really good fit for him. But I also didn't think that he was he would necessarily automatically be coming back to the Brewers. Um, so then that Monday, 
I got a call from a source early in the morning, which really kind of um, raised the red flags for me in terms of, I think something's going definitely going to happen today. And um, probably within, I don't know, an hour or so of that phone call was when all the dominoes started falling. So then we go from all the tweets on the, on the East coast saying that council's not coming to the Mets. The Mets are hiring Carlos Mendoza. Literally like 10, 15 minutes later, the tweets start coming that the Guardians are hiring Stephen Vogt. And Stephen Vogt, to me, was the no-brainer um, replacement for Council had the timeline been a little bit different. I don't think there's any question. You know, he played for the Brewers. Great respect for him here. Uh, I think that would have been a, a, a perfect fit. So he gets hired by the Guardians. And then it's like, okay, well – does this mean that council's coming back or what, what's going on? And then it was Ken Rosenthal, of course, that tweets that Craig council's not coming back to the Brewers. He's going to a team without, with already with a manager. So then you start thinking, well, what team could that be? And then the final shoe drops that it is indeed the Cubs of all teams, which just was like a nuclear blast going off here in Milwaukee. So it, it was incredible to twists and turns in a very short amount of time. And then, of course, it's incumbent on me and, and, and my partner on the beat to, you know, put it all together, make sense of it, try to get as much information as we can. And then as the days progressed, um, you know, then we started getting more clarity on the situation. Like the following day, Craig Council actually reached out to me, asked if, you know, I would be interested in getting his side of things. Of course I was. So then, you know, he explained his side of it and then that solidly turned it was it was probably 50 50 i would say among the fans here who was at who was at fault was it the team owner who everybody thinks is too cheap or was it craig council and once that interview hit and we got all the reporting out on that i think i would say it was probably about 90 percent um you know anti-craig council and then everybody else so definitely a very interesting time I, i'm glad that those two weeks are over because <laughs> Council left, but then you enter into a coaching search, a managerial search, which if you guys, you know, end up with beat jobs at some point, there's nothing worse. Um, it's just incredible stress. It's just day after day of, you know, working your sources and, and waiting for phone calls, waiting for tax, you know, trying to figure out who that next manager is going to be. Um, you know, and then the, finally the shoe drops, it winds up being Pat Murphy. And then you got to worry about what the coaching staff's going to look like. And then you got to do the press conferences and all that stuff. So the, the two week window here where from when we knew Craig council wasn't coming back to, okay, Pat Murphy's in place. Everything is finally, you know, the dust is settled, incredibly stressful, but at the same time as a reporter, it's, it's also very re rewarding and, and fun in a sick way. If you, if you want to say that too. Absolutely. And, you know, I was talking to a lot of my Brewers friends and they were like, there's no way he leaves. He's either retiring or he's coming back. And then, you know, he's going to the Cubs, which is like, it's not even, oh, he's leaving. He's going to our, you know, our, one of our biggest division rivals. Like, are you kidding me? Um, so, you know, I can, I can imagine from, you know, from a reporting perspective, trying to, to deal with the public's, you know, high emotions as well is probably not easy. Um yeah, so uh, well, not not to cut you off, but that's that's really one of the worst parts of the job is, unfortunately, with Twitter and with social media, it gives everybody a platform. Now, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but 
I don't get paid enough to be somebody's psychiatrist, right? A <laughs> fan and fans aren't our, what is fan short for fanatic? I get, I get, and I appreciate the passion, but when you're getting bombarded with all this stuff, it really, I mean, it, it, it sounds kind of funny, but it, in a way it almost, if you allow it to, it can negatively affect your mental health as a reporter. And I, and I'm being totally serious with that. You know, the, the negative emails that you get, the tweets and all that stuff. So you have to be really good about compartmentalizing and just not taking most of that stuff that you see to heart. So in a, in a way, um, you know, I don't pay for the blue check mark. I'm not going to, um, you know, TweetDeck went away. TweetDeck was a huge resource for us as reporters. Now it's very hard to keep up with notifications when you're just watching, you know, the timeline scroll. So that really takes that aspect of it out, out of it for me. So I don't really look at my timeline anymore. I may scroll through quickly if somebody has something productive to say or, as a legitimate question, I may answer it, but I just don't even, I don't even deal in that anymore because it's, it, it just is too much. It's too overwhelming. Absolutely. And I mean, you, you don't own the team. You don't manage the team. You don't, you know, th these aren't your decisions that you're making. You're just the guy that's trying to, you're trying to help out the fans by telling them what the hell is going on with the organization. That, that's exactly it. And, and a lot of, I understand it. I appreciate the passion and sometimes people will, I can't count over the years and not just covering the Brewers, but anything. I covered the Packers before I covered Marquette basketball. Like I said, um, you know, you get these nasty emails from people and I, I will respond with overwhelming kindness in, in knowing that what's going to come on the other end later on usually is a response from that person apologizing and saying, I'm sorry, I took it out on you. I'm just very passionate. You know, I really like your work, you know, yada, yada, yada. So I get it, but you know, again, we are not making the decisions. We're reporting on the decisions, and I have nothing to do with what the Brewers do. So I, I wish people could keep that in mind a little bit more and just let us, you know, go about our jobs without giving us so much grief. But that comes with the territory, and when you're when you've been doing it as long as I have, you develop pretty thick skin, and it it takes a lot to really truly, um, you know, get me to the point where I'm losing my mind. So. Absolutely. And then, you know, in, in terms of other decisions that came recently, which I think I think a lot of people were a little bit confused on was the Ricky Weeks decision as the the associate manager. Um, you know, he's he's only been kind of like in a coaching role or whatever with the team for for not very long. You know, was he ever considered for manager? Was it kind of expected that they would go with him as as the associate manager, no matter who came in? Yeah, it's you know, a good, it's a good, it's a good question. Um I think if you take a step back and you look at historically um, when Craig council took over as manager for the Brewers, he had zero coaching experience as well. He had worked in the front office for three plus years and Ricky weeks has been in a, um, a pro personnel kind of advisory role. He basically doing the same thing that council was. So to see them give a, a title like associate manager to Ricky weeks, I don't think necessarily is that surprising. Um, having covered Ricky as a player, I'm I'm a little bit surprised that he chose to go the coaching route just because he never really struck me as a guy that would be interested in continuing on in baseball. But, you know, good for him. And I think he's going to be a good resource for us. And I'm, I'm looking forward to watching his development in that role. Um, so now it's, it's going to be 
this year and however many years he serves in that role, it's going to be soaking up as much knowledge as he possibly can from Pat Murphy. And in my personal opinion, things, things can always change, but I think Ricky Weeks was put into this position with the understanding or with the hope that down the line, he eventually can be slid over into the manager's seat and become the Brewers manager at some point, because the Brewers do really value, um, having guys like Craig Council previously, guys like Ricky Weeks, who are beloved players, you know, really good baseball guys uh, in these positions, and they feel like that they can do well in them. So uh, while I was surprised ultimately that he got that job, looking back on it, it's not that big a surprise. And, um, you know, time will tell if it's a good hire or not, but I think it probably will be. Absolutely. And I think one of the fun words that gets thrown around the baseball world all the time is sources confirm or sources say. And um, I know that's a word that is thrown out by every reporter, but way too much. (laughs) So what does that actually mean? Because I know you mentioned like you have someone like the trustee in the industry that'll send you a text or an email. But what does the word sources confirm or sources say actually do? I think it's I think it's way overused, way overdone. I understand. I understand that you know, when you use the term source, it's because the person who has the information obviously doesn't want to be identified because it would negatively impact them. They're not supposed to be talking about this stuff. You know, it could be a player. It could be a person working for that team, could be an agent. Everybody has their reasons for why they don't want to be identified. But as a reporter, you want to work especially hard at, um, trying to identify people as much as you can, because otherwise it it really becomes a shield and something that you start using more and more. Um, You know, I I laugh and and I understand, you know, national guys, people who work for the athletic and so forth, um, you know, they'll tweet constantly and just, there's never a source name. It's just every tweet is source says, source says, source says, I mean, it, you get numb to it really. Uh, I can only speak to what, how we do things at our place and how we have done things in the past. And if if we use anything with, uh, you know, a source says, we have to tell our editors who those people are before we go to print with it or before we post it online because they want to know just in case, uh, which I totally respect and understand. So um, when you get to this to this level, meaning the professional level, stakes are at their highest you know there's a lot of money involved in everything you're, you're talking to sometimes very important people i do understand the need for anonymity but at the same time um you know you don't want to use that as a crutch and i don't i don't know necessarily that readers even it even matters to readers um because i think it all blends together because you see it so much and you just become numb to it but i don't think that should be the case and i i really feel like you know you should really try to work as hard as you can to, to get people to be comfortable enough to talk to you on the record with their names attached. But I understand why they don't do And as Mets guys, Dylan and I know that sources can be wrong. See the Bauer rumors that were going on and, and some of the other things that we heard were happening and then ended up not happening. So, you know, and then, and then there's nobody to hold responsible for it. Because... Well, that's exactly it is, you know, they, they have no accountability then. Um, then who's left holding the bag? It's you who reported that stuff, you know? So that's another thing that you have to keep in mind too. And you got to feel really confident that, um, you know, your sources are leading you in the right direction and giving you 
as accurate information as possible. And also, let's let's be honest, a lot of times these sources are talking to you because it benefits them and it serves their purpose for whatever that is. So that's kind of the deal with, with the devil that you make sometimes when you're using these anonymous sources. Absolutely. Um, if you, if you don't mind, I want to just change, change gears a little bit towards the, the 2024 Brewers. Um, you know, you guys have one of the, the hottest prospects in baseball right now, 19 years old, Jackson Churio, you know, can, can fans expect to see him on the opening day roster? Do you think does he need a little more time to settle in, in the minors before he gets called up? What, what's the deal with him in, in 2024? Yeah, I don't, I, I, don't see Jackson Cheerio being on the opening day roster. I do see a possibility and a pathway for him to be in the majors at some point in 2024. Um, right now, the, the Brewers are really stacked in the outfield. They've got a lot of young prospecty type guys, Garrett Mitchell, Sal Freelich, Joey Weimer, um, you know, who are already in the pipeline, already got their taste of the majors last year. They've got some holdovers coming back. Obviously, Christian Yelich is going to man left field more often than not, so that leaves two spots open. Um, they've got Tyrone Taylor coming back unless they trade him. He's a guy that the organization really likes. And Jackson Cheerios only really had a cup of coffee at the AAA level at this point. He's been really good. The Brewers are very aggressive with pushing their prospects, and <clears throat> he did really, really well at AA last year as the youngest kid in AA for a long period of time and then did not look overmatched in AAA. So I, I would expect that, you know, at the very least, he's going to have to play the first half of the season at AAA, continue to progress, continue to show that he can compete. <clears throat> you know, and if you get to the all-star break, <clears throat> excuse me, and he's hitting, you know, 280 and he's got 15 homers and, you know, 50-some RBI, then you're thinking, okay, maybe this is really a guy that could help us here in the second half. Um so that it's going to be a fun storyline to follow and to watch because um, it's been a, a really, really long time since the Brewers have had a prospect of this caliber that, you know, fans can really get excited about coming to the majors. I, I would say probably, you know, since Ryan Braun, Prince Fielder, you know, Ricky Weeks was a, was a prospect of this type when he was coming through the pipeline for the Brewers, but that was, you know, 20 years ago. So, um, you know, it looks like he's going to be a real special player and it's going to be fun to kind of follow his progress here as he makes his way toward the majors. And that strange outfield mix was also, I was kind of curious when you guys traded Mark Canna away earlier in the off season, seemed like a pretty dependable outfielder, but I guess I assume it was the price tag was a little too high on him. Yeah. The price tag 11 and a half million and also the age there, you know, he's 35 and the Brewers just have younger, like I said before, Freelick, Mitchell, Weimer, Churio in the pipeline. Um, they, they just have younger, cheaper options. And, and for a team like the Brewers right now, who it certainly looks like they're they're probably going to be entering rebuild mode, you know, potentially trading Burns and Willie Adamas, guys like that. Uh, you know, it really doesn't make sense then to have a guy like Canna uh, on the roster. But he was a terrific addition for them in the second half last year and really – him and Carlos Santana both uh, revitalized that offense because the offense was pretty bad until those two two guys joined the team. Absolutely. And you mentioned Jackson Churro probably hopefully one day is getting some MVP votes, but you did have an MVP vote for the National League this year. Can you sort of take us through the process of what is it like to actually vote for the award? And then was it a pretty slam dunk decision to have Ronald Acuna at number one? Yeah, it was a fun one this year. Um Part of being in the in the Baseball Writers Association is you get um, 
you get the opportunity to vote for for awards like this the, the MVP Cy Young Rookie of the Year Manager of the Year um, they tend to they they will give the the biggest awards the Cy Young and the MVP to the reporters who see the most baseball. So, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough to travel. We see a lot of games henceforth, you know, we get the big awards and um, some years it's very cut and dried. It's very obvious. It's very easy. Um, This year was an interesting case because you really had two guys. You had Acuna and you had Mookie Betts. And um, I go about it in a, in a couple different ways. I do my research but I also talk to a lot of people, a lot, a lot of guys to get their opinion. I'm talking coaches, managers, players, and just scouts throw it out there. What do you think? So it was, it was almost universal this year that everybody that I talked to players, managers, coaches, scouts, all told me hands down Mookie bets. And I'm like, really, you know, cause Acuna was just having an insane season offensively on the best team and they all pointed back to the versatility that he had defensively because not only did he play right field really well, but he played second base really well, filled in at shortstop for the Dodgers. And their argument also was if you take Mookie Betts off the Dodgers, that really impacts the team to where if you took Acuna off the Braves, yeah, it's going to hurt, but it's not going to hurt as much. And I, I understood that. Um, so I took that all into consideration and um, – you know, just kept crunching the numbers and we have to have the ballots in after the last game of the regular season and before the first playoff game starts. So you got a very small window. Uh, And just the more I thought about it, the more I looked at the numbers, um, you know, Acuna, just his numbers were insane Uh, on the the best team. I mean, historical type numbers. I couldn't look past those. So um, I went with Acuna and I felt good about it. And then it's always interesting once those votes are in and there's a, there's obviously a, uh, a lag between when you vote and when you find out who won. And when I saw who, when I saw that Acuna won unanimously, I was in a way, I was like, Oh man, I'm, I'm glad I voted for Acuna because you don't want to be that one guy who costs a guy a unanimous vote, you know, uh, a unanimous award. And that's happened in the past. One of my colleagues that I know pretty well, um, what was the one vote that kept a guy from winning unanimously? And, and you have to be prepared to accept that heat that comes along with, with the responsibility and with the job. So, um, you know, luckily for me, I, I, I went with the right guy, if you want to call it that. Um, and, and Acuna did win, but you know, there, there's a lot of other, there's a lot else that go a lot more that goes into it too, because, you know, you're not just naming the winner where you place guys on the ballot has bearing on obviously where they finish. And a lot of these guys have incentives in their contracts, you know, this, that could cost them money ultimately as well. So you want to be darn sure when you're doing it, that you're taking it seriously, you're really doing the best that you can to put to, to put forth the most accurate ballot that you possibly can. Um, you know, because these guys, they play hard, they work hard. And, and, and you know, if there is money on the line for them, you know, and they earn it, they, they, they should get that. So um, it's just, it's a very interesting process. And then of course, after 10 years, then you, you get the right to uh, the privilege to vote for the hall of fame. So I'm doing that as well now. And that's another, um, you know, thing that I really put a lot of time and effort into to try to put forth the best ballot that I can. So they're, um, 
there are things that we don't get paid to do extra, you know, their, their privileges, their honors. Um, but again, with that comes responsibility and you want to do it well. Absolutely. I know Matt and I definitely love seeing Francisco Lindor as Mets fans sneak into the bottom of your ballot this year. It was definitely fun to see him on there. And of course, would love to have you back on in a month or so to talk about your Hall of Fame ballot. Because I know that came out as well pretty recently, if you'd be willing to hop back on with us. Yeah, sure. Once uh, once the window is kind of, because they ask us not to publicize anything until everybody, you know, all the ballots are out. But once it's public, yeah, I'd be happy to talk about it again, Absolutely. for sure. I love it. Well, we know your time is really limited. So You've got a busy schedule, but we really appreciate you hopping on the phone with us today, talking all things Brewers and MVP voting. And sort of a last question we love to ask all our guests is, we let you determine the future of the show. And if you'd like to nominate someone that you know inside the baseball industry that could be a cool next person to have on. Oh, man, that's a good one. Somebody that I think you guys would get a kick out of, if you can get them to do it, uh, Trent Rosecrans from the athletic covers the reds covers baseball you know in the wide scope <clears throat> very interesting guy very eclectic guy knows a lot um he and i both um got to know each other he was covering the university of cincinnati when i was covering marquette way back in the day this is even before the big east this was back when those teams were in conference usa so we're old timers that go along a long way back and i think you guys would get a kick out of him because uh, you know, not only can you talk intelligently about baseball, but you can talk to him about Star Wars. You can talk to him about music. He's got all kinds of interesting things to talk about. So I nominate him and I, I hope he honors the request. I love it. Should be a blast. We really appreciate you hopping on with us today. telling us all about the Brewers past, present and future. And Matt, unless there's anything else you have to throw in. Not all. This was a good time. Thank you. Awesome. Appreciate Thank it, you so guys. much. Awesome. So Thank you, Matt and Todd. Until the next time, the side is retired.